That's a, a similar theme that I'm noticing in my conversations with men on my podcast is really about the integration of that divine feminine space um, within each of us and being able to acknowledge that. And in many ways, it can feel like the scariest thing to do because our culture um, can sort of shame you out of uh, boys out of having sort of a feminine side mm-hmm. or connecting to the divine feminine. And yet what the men in my life are starting to acknowledge is, is that while it feels scary to sort of jump over that hurdle and it feels like it might you might be rejected or you might um, feel a lot of shame in, in many ways everyone's starting to find out oh it's a very additive process i became a kind strong man i became this heartfelt vulnerable happy person it's like oh like well that's not a very big price to pay What's up, everybody? Happy New Year. Happy 2020. This is the first official interview episode of the Inspired Creativity Podcast for 2020. I'm so excited. I've been holding on to this episode for a couple of weeks. Today, I'm talking with Travis Stock. Travis is the host of the New Masculine Podcast. Go check it out, obviously, after you listen to this. Travis is also a coach in the Seattle area. And interesting thing about synchronicities, and you know, I talk about synchronicities a lot, but I'm going to say about four or five months ago, things just start happening and synchronicities started showing up all over the place. And I can say it's because I've been meditating and I'm more aware and I'm more in tune and I'm seeing these things, or maybe I'm just on the right path. I'm on the right timeline and I'm noticing the synchronicities as they happen. And Travis and I talk about this a little bit, but I wanted to just touch on it before we jump into the episode that I had a tarot card reading with Jessa Reed from the Soberish podcast the Monday before Thanksgiving. And in that reading, she said she had this feeling that I should be working with men and helping with the divine masculine energy and helping to heal the divine masculine energy. And not just in men, but in everyone, because we all have divine masculine energy in us. We all have divine feminine energy in us. I've been teaching Kundalini yoga for 10 years. This year is my 10th year teaching Kundalini yoga. And Kundalini is that divine feminine energy. And I say it a lot that This practice helped me become a kinder, sweeter, more loving man and balanced my feminine and masculine energy, creating the person that I am today. And in that reading, Jessa said, you know, when inspiration strikes, just turn my phone on and start talking, record a podcast, record a video, do that. And the following day after the reading, I was walking in the woods and I recorded an Instagram television video about masculine energy and the holidays and giving your father a hug, giving your brother a hug and knowing that it's okay for men to connect with their emotions, to connect with their feelings and to actually express love 
to the people in our life. Like we don't have, I don't have to just hug my mom. I should be hugging my dad as well. And just because he's my dad doesn't mean that he shouldn't get that same love and affection from me because I'm a man. So I did this video and then the next day I got a message from Travis that a mutual friend of ours, Nathaniel, said, hey, you should check out my friend Joe from Philadelphia. You guys are on the same wavelength and maybe you should talk. And because of that, thank you, Nathaniel, for connecting us. And that synchronicity of me, you know, putting this out, Nathaniel happened to seeing it and then sharing it with Travis created this new friendship now. And in probably March, I will be on Travis's new masculine podcast. And as we were just talking, I'm like, I would love to have you on my podcast so I can share you with my community. And hopefully they will all come listen to your podcast as well and connect with the information and the things that you are sharing with the world as well. Because we all need this. We all need to lift each other up. We need to support each other. We are one big, beautiful human tribe and we should be lifting everybody up. We all need to move from a space of abundance and not scarcity and knowing that there is enough for all of us. And if we work together and support one another, we're going to help all of mankind instead of just helping a couple people. So Travis and I connected. We decided to record a podcast for his show, a podcast for my show. This is the conversation that we had. It's a lot of fun. Please check out Travis at travisstock.com. Go check out his podcast, The New Masculine. You can find it on all of your favorite podcast apps. All of the information will be linked in the show notes as well. But really quick, before we jump in to this episode, I want to tell you that I'm very happy that Mark Zuckerberg has finally allowed me to change my Facebook business page to Joe Longo. So now it just incorporates everything that I do from coaching to yoga and meditation to photography. It's all in one beautiful house that represents me. And I'm so happy about this. So if you're not following me, you can follow along on Facebook. Very simple at Joe Longo. Come follow along. You can find out everything that is happening in my world there. You can also follow me on Instagram at Inspire Create Manifest. And the website address is also Inspire Create Manifest. On the website, you can click on a link that says Public Workshops and you can find out all of the goodness that is happening this year. This Saturday on January 11th, I am at Ananda Yoga, Yoga and Wellness in New Jersey teaching Creatively Manifesting Your Life, a wonderful two-hour kundalini yoga and meditation workshop, which is a great workshop to start the new year off with because we really start looking at where we want to go and what do we want to create and what what can we do to get there? And we're going to do kundalini meditations to remove blocks and self-limiting beliefs that are holding us back so we can start moving forward in that direction where we want to be. The following week on January 17th, I'm back at Yoga Brain in East Falls teaching a mostly meditation kundalini workshop called New Year, New You. And we're going to be doing all kinds of meditations and journaling and really, again, focusing on what do we want to lay out for 2020? How can we create that roadmap and do meditations to support us and carry us through the year so we can live our most authentic self? 
January 24th, I'm at Palisanta Wellness in South Philly. I'm so excited to be back at Palisanto with that my South Philly family teaching The Heart as a Magnet, a very special two-hour kundalini yoga and meditation workshop connecting us to heart coherence and brain coherence and really elevating our state of emotion to open up our heart and start attracting into our life what we want. And then the following day, I head up the Pennsylvania Turnpike to Scranton, Pennsylvania to Mission Yoga to teach Creatively Manifesting Your Life to my Northeast PA family. So if you are around this January, I am all over the place teaching these fun workshops. I'm also starting a 12-week group coaching program called finding the light within and this is a transformational coaching program it's only open to 15 people it's all online and it is going to be a lot of fun you can find all the information for that on my website inspirecreatemanifest.com i also created a facebook event for that please check out the website if you have any questions or if you just want to start doing individual coaching with me transformational coaching lifestyle design and that just means creating the life that you want and you want a coach to help you reach out let's set up a free discovery call where we chat and see if we actually work well together I'm so excited for the new year. I'm so excited for all of these events and all of the, the amazing guests that I'm going to be sharing with you and really to help raise the vibration on this planet. And most importantly, to remind every single person that is listening that you are an infinite creative being and you can do anything you want. It's up to you. What do you want to do? It's a new year, new you. 2020 2020 vision get at it and i'm here to help you if you want a coach you want to be held accountable let's work together let's talk let's get you moving in that direction of finding your passion finding your purpose finding your bliss and living your most authentic life Thank you so much. If you haven't yet, please like, subscribe, leave a review in iTunes or any of the apps that you listen to this on. It really helps get the podcast out in front of more people. And now I will take a big inhale and enjoy this episode, this conversation with Travis. I'll see you all on Sunday for Coffee Talk. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in today. I'm super excited for for this week's episode. I'm talking with Travis Stock, who is the host of the new Masculine Podcast and a life coach and an equestrian coach. Is that right? Can I say it? Is that the right way to say it? Or you do coaching yeah. with equestrian? And I de- we'll definitely touch on that. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, it's, um, the, the work that I do with horses is called Equus Coaching, but equine facilitated learning, um, equestrian coaching, you can say a lot of different things, but the work I do is specifically called Equus Coaching. Nice, nice. So for everyone that is listening, you know I'm, uh, I love to live in the land of the woo um, and synchronicities and all of, all of that. And literally a couple weeks ago... I had a tarot card reading 
with Jessa Reed, the host of the Soberish podcast. And she said that I should be doing more work with the divine masculine energy. And when inspiration strikes, I should pick up my phone and I should just record and start talking and, and put it out into the world. And I did that. And literally the next day, Travis, you reached out because of that video. <laughs> so I'm all about the synchronicities and that like we are, everything is happening in divine timing. Uh, as woo woo as that sounds, but I'm just, I'm still kind of reeling the way that that video has opened up doors already for me in just this connection with us and connection with other men that are doing the same kind of work. So thank you for reaching out and making this initial connection. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, watching our friendship grow as, as, as we both work in this world with the new masculine. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this with you. And I, uh, my story was similar. I just launched the, uh, my podcast, the New Masculine Podcast, um, back in October. And in conversations with different people, um, as you put your Instagram post about the Divine Masculine, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, shout out to Nathaniel, yes. um, connected us and said, you two speak the same language. You two are talking about the same thing. And so um, part of what's so important to me is to connect with other men that are really focused on the divine masculine and focused on the transformation of what's not working, but also helping us find new ways forward as men. Nice. So if I can ask where, how did this come about for you? Uh, it's been uh, a journey for me. It's been a, 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 something I've been really interested in steering my own personal coaching business to. I've um, been in the coaching world since about 2012. Prior to that, I was a social worker. And so I've always done the helping profession thing and, um, as I was diving into the self-help world and into coaching, I was recognizing that there's a lot of women in the field. Um, I've been in female-dominated careers my entire life with social work and then now into, um, into coaching. And I've noticed there's, like, uh, there's just not as many men around. And I think we have something to offer. And I think there's some real value in having all kinds of people um, that are doing self-reflective, introspective work. And so it's sort of become a little bit of a soapbox issue for me to help bring men into this world and to bring men into self-exploration and emotional maturity and vulnerability um, and the woo-woo, as you were saying. Um, for a couple of years, I was living on a horse ranch, learning to be a coach, but also an equus coach and doing workshops that are experiential learning with horses blended with coaching. And we did some workshops that were around um, men's issues and what the sort of narrow box that masculinity puts us men into. And so it's always been a passion project of mine. And um, it has only been in the recent time frame where I felt ready to bring my voice to this conversation, not be just having my one-on-one -on -one conversations with my clients, but to take it to another level and to be asking, to, to be sort of ask men to do better and be better, but in connection with, uh, with other men. So it's been, a, it's been a bit of a journey for me, but um, it's sort of where I'm taking my own personal business is trying to bring, up, bring us men together. Right, right. Well, well, thank you for taking that leap into this, I don't want to say scary world, but I think it, we have to be a little bit vulnerable to 
put ourselves out there the way that the way that you're doing this. So thank you. I, I appreciate what you're doing. Um, and I've been listening to your podcast. I absolutely love the the guests that, that you're having and the conversations that you're creating. I think it's so important for us to be doing this work and, you know, really letting men know that it it's okay to uh, have all the feels like I, I, I <laughs> like to say that, you know, like feel the feels let, you know, experience this life. And we don't have yeah. to, you know, follow those old rules of, you know, just being this, like, I don't even know, strong men don't cry kind of beings. Like, like we're allowed to have emotions and it, it helps with all of life. Yeah, I think that's the, one of the biggest things that's so important to me in this, in this process is that I think it's at least in my own experience and then my experience with all my clients and the men in my life is, is that many of us have that same cultural storyline that we're not supposed to be emotional we're not supposed to feel things maybe except anger is like what we're allowed to express um but we're really sort of pushed push that emotional self aside and um i think that's done a, a a bit of damage to us as men i think that's that's limited limited us in terms of the lives we can create the satisfaction we can feel the joy we can feel um, but also the connection that we can feel and intimacy. Um, and so I really, I, I'm with you on that. Feel the feels. Yes, feel the feels. As you were saying that, I, I had this flashback of high school. And it was definitely, you know, the whole boys don't cry was really big growing up. Um, I'm going to be 45 in, in 2020. So really like child of the eighties and then nineties, it really was very, you know, boys don't cry. You're supposed to be strong, but I also played football and my senior year, we went to the championship and, and we lost and everybody was crying. And it's interesting to think that it was okay to cry feeling that defeat but not okay to cry for any other reason. And it's interesting that that literally, that just popped into my head right now, that memory of my teammates, like literally sitting down on the grass after that game, bawling their eyes out that, that we lost. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think that that's one of the few ways we as men are given permission to be sort of vulnerable or to express intimacy between us as men is when we're doing an activity together, such as a sport, when there's winning and losing at stake. And if you lose that sort of, that's the one place you're allowed to show some emotion. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's those of us boys that tend to lean towards the crying part. And then there's the other type of boys that can't navigate that level of vulnerability. And so they turn to anger and they turn towards power grabbing and taking and trying to win even if you feel like you're losing mm -hmm. interesting yeah I, there's uh, i feel very blessed because there's always been something in me like i'll watch a movie and if it you know if it gets me i'll be like oh man i'm, I'm crying right now like it, yeah. it, it got me and i'm really happy that i've always been able to let that happen that i never felt you know, like I can't express these emotions. Um, I don't know if it was because I hung out with my mom more than my dad and my brothers 
or if it was just, you know, blessed because God or myself knew I would be on this path at, at some point in, yeah. in my life. Um, but I'm really happy that, that those things have happened. But there are also, I also remembered, though, times in my life where the anger did come in. Like I punched a wall and a door and broke my hand, you know, because a girl broke up with me. Mm-hmm. instead of, you know, feeling the emotion like, ah, we're going to go the anger route here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it almost sometimes feels safer to go the anger route. Right. Um, Wasn't safer my... for my broken hand, though. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> um, that, I mean, that's similar to my, I, I've always been a deeply feeling person. And um I'm a Leo moon, so my emotions are on stage and, and, and are big. And uh, it's, it, as a child, I started noticing how unsafe I felt being a boy that was emotional and that was sensitive and that did feel things and that cried at movies. It was like my brother and I used to kind of giggle when my mom would cry at movies, but then I started becoming that person that was also crying at movies. And then I was like, oh, wait, we were just making fun of that. And now I feel really unsafe. And I think that uh, that my teenagers were confusing for me. I was as a, a young gay boy, I didn't really know how to separate the different parts of me from the thing that I thought was wrong with me. So fighting, so struggling with my sexuality, I associated everything with that kind of thing. And so as I started noticing the fear of being such a sensitive boy, I associated that with, oh, I can't hide. This is the thing that's going to expose me. This is the thing that's going to out me. So I actually tried to really lean away from the emotional side of things. And I really tried to trap it in and not allow others to see it, which just led to tons of depression in my 20s, Mm. (laughs) which is sort of how I got into coaching in general. I had to figure out a new way to do it because those emotions, as if you don't feel them, if you trap them, if you numb them if you avoid them in any sort of way they really start to wreak havoc there's no way around that yeah they definitely start coming back any emotions that we suppress eventually they are going to pop like a volcano and you kind of never know when it's going to happen at least but that's been my experience with with emotions Mm. that that i've 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 put and tucked away and in my yoga practice Um, when I first started practicing yoga, I did a lot of just Kundalini yoga, which is the the divine feminine energy, you know, waking up that ball of energy that sits at the base of our spine. And I, I gravitated towards that because I felt that it was safe because we practiced with our eyes closed. So no one can see me. And it, it, it was just this safe space. And my teacher said, you know, this is a fun, silly practice. So if you're going to laugh, laugh. If you're going to cry, cry. And we sat a lot. Now, if we rewind, my first yoga class that I went to, my girlfriend at the time took me to this class. And it was just a regular class. And I was the only guy in class. And I couldn't do anything. And my ego was so bruised. Because I'm like, I, I don't understand. I'm this big, strong man. Why can't I do these poses that all these women are doing? So I hated it. And then this kundalini practice came. And in doing the kundalini, it has this way of Yogi Bhajan, who brought the practice to the States, would say it pokes you, it provokes you, and then it elevates you. But it really makes you look at the shit that you 
have not been looking at. So mm. when I first started, it really was this like yoga and therapy that was happening with me because anything that I had suppressed throughout my life just kind it was like there was this little little devil and or angel sitting on my shoulder saying hey do you remember when you weren't recognizing this you're gonna feel it right now when you hold your arms up in the air for the next three minutes <laughs> <laughs> so it really became this beautiful you know therapy for me as well as as looking at these things and i half joke and i'm half serious uh, i say that the practice made me you know turned me from a jock bro type dude into a kind loving man and it just made me you know more connected to that divine feminine energy that is within all of us and i think it helped balance out that extra masculine jock bro dude energy that i had that really helped me come into balance of being a whole a whole being as opposed to just an imbalanced crazy angry dude yeah i think that's a, a similar theme that i'm noticing in my conversations with men on my podcast is really about the integration of that divine feminine space um, within each of us and being able to acknowledge that and in many ways it can feel like the scariest thing to do because our culture um, can sort of shame you out of, uh, boys out of having sort of a feminine side mm -hmm. or connecting to the divine feminine and yet what the men in my life are starting to acknowledge is, is that while it feels scary to sort of jump over that hurdle and it feels like it might, you might be rejected or you might um, feel a lot of shame in, in many ways, everyone's starting to find out, Oh, it's a very additive process. I became a kind, strong man. I became this heartfelt, vulnerable, happy person. It's like, Oh, like, well, that's not a very big price to pay. <laughs> 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 right, right, exactly. This this past week, I've been working on a um, a five step PDF for developing a, a daily practice, and it's directed towards men. And I've been finding as I've been writing it, there's this like humor in a way that's coming out as I write it. Um, and I talk about affirmations because I'm I'm a big believer in affirmations. And as I was writing it, I, you know, I put in there, I'm like, if you feel you're too manly to have affirmations, think about the greatest fighter that ever lived. Muhammad Ali walked around constantly saying, I'm the greatest. Like, so if you think you're too much of a man to use positive affirmations, Muhammad Ali will knock you out. <laughs> and I'm just writing this. And I'm like, I don't know if this is good or bad, but it was like, I, I felt like I tapped into this space of like, maybe I have to go there. Maybe I have to go to that spot of saying, you can do this. And if you think you you're too tough, this dude that did it could, could knock you out as well. Mm -hmm. Weird, like mind space I went into the other night when I, <laughs> when I was writing, but I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Well, I think it's a very important part of, of men's journeys and men's work is, is that we're, there's a, there's a, 
comfort and a safety in playfulness mm-hmm. in in masculinity and so using that strength of playfulness to actually open something up so that it's because it's hard it's a hard sell to get men to come into something that's earnest and serious and just emotional all the time mm-hmm. you need the levity you need the little bit of challenge to sort of kind of poke the ego a little bit just to get somebody interested and then meet them with the feminine. I think that that's a, I think that's such an important thing that I try to bring into all my work with men is, is that I'm always trying to not only do that sort of real deep emotional work, but to really bring the light playful side of it as well. Mm-hmm. So that there's a continued buy-in to keep moving forward. Right, right, right. Um, so, with your coaching, do you specialize with men or do you have a whole broad coaching spectrum? Um, currently, I have a pretty broad coaching spectrum. Um, I have about five different coaching certifications. And so I've done work. Um, I, I tend to be somebody that likes to do sort of the more um, personal development, spirituality side of coaching. I can do the professional side or the more masculine side of coaching of accountability and goal setting and accomplishment. But I much more prefer doing the kind of work that's like take all those things on the outside world that you think your ego needs to feel happy or to feel successful or take all those away and let's find them inside. Um, and so I tend to do a lot more like uh, personal coaching, relationship coaching, spirituality coaching. Um, I've done some coaching work for um, Deepak Chopra's um, spiritual retreat center, the Chopra Center in San Diego area. Um, and so I have a bit of a, a wide ranging um, client base. There's been times where my co- coaching work has been really has been a little bit more male focused. And then there's times where it's um, sort of a broad spectrum. And I think right now, my invitation in the in the work that I'm putting out there is to bring more men into the work because while I absolutely love working with all different kinds of people, this transformation around masculinity is the thing I is the change I most want to see in the world and the thing I'm most inspired about and the thing I'm most passionate about. And so um, it kind of ebbs and flows how many men are in uh, my coaching practice, but uh, it's, it's definitely the focus right now for me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, um, this past week on the Soberish podcast is by far, I'm like addicted to it. It's one of my favorites. I have this really strong connection with Jessa Reed, the host. And I just feel like everything she's saying, she's, she's speaking right to me. And mm-hmm. the, the past two episodes, her and two of her friends went on a little um, mushroom journey in uh, Tucson two weeks ago. And oh, it, my hometown. Ah, nice. Mush- mushrooms in Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> and on, on the, like in their you know, voyage that they went on, they were talking about a lot of divine masculine things had, had come up. And as they were like recapping everything that they've experienced over the, over this journey that they were on, they were saying one of the things that they feel is happening. And, you know, as they, they, all three of these women totally feel that we are moving into this space in 2020 where this really big push of divine masculine energy is, is coming into being and, and not only in men, but in women. And as we're all starting to wake up and, this 
one woman that was on the on the podcast said, I have this th- fear in a way that as men start waking up, they're going to start realizing the things that, that they did when they were unconscious and mm. uh, the how they how their actions affected people and how they may have hurt people without even realizing that they were hurting people. And all three of them were like, there's such a a calling for men to be sitting in this space where we are, to be able to say, it's okay. You didn't know, you weren't aware, and now you're coming into the space where there is more knowledge, there's more awareness, but you have to forgive yourself as well of the things that you did when you were, for lack of a better word, unconscious in in the way you were living. And I heard that, I literally, I I listened this morning, I, I was driving around, I was in my car for about an hour and I'm listening, I'm like, wow, that's really intense to think, um, in this process of, you know, helping men come to that space of being more kind, loving men, then looking back on their lives and being like, oh, wow, maybe I hurt some people because I was being the stereotypical man and I wasn't really thinking. And the healing that needs to take place and the people that need to be out there to hold space for everyone coming into this awareness really, really got me. Like it, it, it hit me right in my heart because I thought of high school and some not nice things that I saw people doing. And I instantly thought of like, wow, what would happen if these people woke up and were like, wow, I really, I really hurt people. My actions really did harm. And now how do I, how do I make it better? Yeah, I mean, it, does it does it feel like to you that this is just the next um, extension of the process we've already sort of been going through, especially in the United States? I mean, I think it looks like it's happening in a lot of different countries, but speaking about like sort of the U.S. political environment and the socio sociopolitical environment, it's like we've been unearthing shadow for a few years, and and it's been uncomfortable and watching the Me Too movement come through and watching Black Lives Matter as a movement come through watching these unheard voices and this pain sort of be unearthed Mm -hmm. so that we can look at it. And in some ways, I almost wonder, do we need to immediately move to forgiveness and into um, making it okay? Or do we need to sit in that tension for a little while as men? Because I in not in the way like the sort of self masochistic way that's like I need to sit here and, and feel all the pain, but in some ways that tension is transformational and it sort of leads to new ways of being. And until we can actually see our impact on others and the pain that we've caused, how do we actually transform into that divine masculine space that has a sort of balanced empathetic response to it? Right. I, I think it is definitely the next evolution and the next step. And I would love to say, yes, let's just move right to forgiveness. But I think before we can get to the forgiveness, I think people are going to have that wake up call in a, in a way where it's like, like you, maybe you, you put yourself through hell for a little bit dealing with the feelings um, of your actions of what may have happened in the past as you, 
come to realize as you grow and evolve into a space. I know when the the Me Too thing happened, you know, when it really popped, I remember like sitting and thinking like, did I do anything as a young man that I don't even recall doing? Like, did I, you know, slap somebody's ass walking down the hall in junior high school without even thinking? And it really like got me thinking about it. And then I started to feel bad. I'm like, I don't even remember if I did anything in that, in that way. But it, I would imagine, I just, I don't know, because it does sound so woo woo. Um, but I do think that there is this, this awakening that's happening. And I do think that it's almost like people will probably go through a, a, the, a dark night of the soul in a way. Yeah in that in that feeling and then they'll have to work on first forgiving themselves i think i think that's the ultimate step yeah and i think that's why it's hard for men to participate in this conversation in the sort of toxic masculinity conversation or the consent conversation or the me too conversations like it's hard for men to participate in that because there's so much of that immediately where your mind went is what all of us men have to do is sort of look at our own behavior and, and self-critique and look at it. And there's shame involved in that. And so why would you want to look at that if you can try to avoid looking at that? <laughs> and what's the solution? Like, as we keep having these conversations, I think we as men often want quick solutions and um, we're pr um, problem solvers. Uh, and that's just like sort of a generalization, but I think we tend that sort of masculine energy tends towards like, there's a problem, I'm going to find a solution. And I don't know that there are easy solutions to these things that we're starting to really address. And that's uncomfortable. And there is a dark night of the soul that, that comes with that. And yeah, in my own personal journey in the client, in the journeys of my clients in what I see us going through on a sort of more societal level right now, there is tension as the transformation is happening. And if we can learn to sit with it, learn to sit in the in-between space, we might actually be able to show up for the transformation that's happening a little more clearly. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, again, you know, that I, I just realized from this, the, the podcast is, so we're moving from the, the Piscean age into the age of Aquarius. And now pause and everyone can sing. Here's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> but the Piscean age was a very unconscious age and it was a masculine age. So we're in this unconscious masculine energy, which would lead to the toxic masculinity and now we're moving into this conscious age of aquarius which is a feminine age so which is really the big you know swing that is, that has happened the last few years like the divine feminine is here and she's roaring and she's kicking ass and taking names and now like the pendulum i think needs to swing you know, back to a space so we all come into balance or come into homeostasis so we can all start functioning in a way. But I think what we're going to see is like a shift of, you know, maybe some men getting shaken up a little bit more as we, you know, move into the 2020s and become more aware. But it, it's, I'm interested to see how this, this all plays out. Um, 
I think that there are more conscious creators coming to the yeah. forefront. There are more people, you know, really talking about things like this and not being afraid. And, you know, I think there are a lot of really strong, powerful men out there that may not even realize what they're doing and how they're they're helping. Like one of my I joke around and I call Joe Rogan the Oprah for men. <laughs> Cuz you know Joe Rogan is this, you know, big strong man. But if you really take the time to listen, you're like, "Wow, he's don't know what happened. Maybe it was all the drugs, all the, you know, <laughs> the, the psychedelics that yeah. brought him to this space, but he is in my mind, I feel he's one of the most kind, loving, caring men out there today. And he has this, I mean, there are millions and millions of downloads he gets per episode. And he's waking people up without them even realizing, you know, what he's doing. I, don't, I often wonder if he even realizes the impact that he's having on your average man. Yeah, I think it's hard to see yourself probably from the outside, but I'm sure he, I wonder if he can see some of it, but not the bigger picture of it all at all times. Mm -hmm. It's so fascinating. As you were saying, um, your friends that, or the people that you know that were doing mushrooms in Tucson, now we're talking about okay. uh, psychedelics again. It's like, there is something to this sort of psychedelic experience, which I've had my own experiences with too, that have been really uh, powerful in my own healing journey and powerful in my own ability to understand how to facilitate certain kinds of work and how to and how to not just be at the level of the mind but how to be in the energetics and i think that there's something transformative that often happens for people um with a sort of healthy sacred reverence of these plants that are um that that can produce a, an experience and i love the idea that there's a ripple effect beyond that like he has his own experiences with that but then he passes on the healing and waking people up through his words and through his way of showing up in the world mm -hmm. definitely it, it's really i love it and um through joe rogan i was introduced to Avery Marcus. Have you heard of Avery Marcus? I was just connected to him, his Instagram stuff this week. And so I'm just starting to do my little first look at him. So he is, you know, a, again, another like really like a, this physically strong man, but he's been so vulnerable and open with his, with his life and his podcast is phenomenal. The, the last week's episode, I wish I remembered the, the, the gentleman's name that was on, but it was so powerful because the guy that was on, he, he's married, he has kids, he's like, uh, I think he was a skateboarder, a, a, a motocross rider, and about, you know, a couple of years ago, he realized that he may have feelings for men. And he came out, he was like, I go on the Howard Stern show and I talk about this and people, you know, are sending me death threats, but I'm like, this is me. Like, this is the way I feel. And I'm a grown ass man. I should be able to say how I feel without, you know, feeling threatened or that I'm less of a man because I may like men as well. And I love my wife. And it was just a really, you know, interesting episode to listen to. And at one point, he said to Avery Marcus, he was like, you know, if you really want to find out the people that, that love you in your life, write a book and tell them that you're half gay and see what happens. Yeah. 
And it was like, uh, when you look at these two guys, you're like, I would have never fathomed in a million years that two men that, you know, look this way would be having this emotional, vulnerable conversation and putting it out to millions of people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually saw an article written about him. I think his name is Jason Ellis. Yes, um, yes, yes. He's like, a, isn't he like an MMA fighter or something? He's yeah, I think he, he does. Very he masculine. Does a little things. bit of everything. Yeah, but super yeah. masculine. Yeah, and he, um, it's a very. He's got a very fascinating story, and and in many ways, he ta- even talks about how sort of even within the LGBT community, which is about being in community and is about trying to be like in many ways is trying to be a community that's moving rights forward. In many ways, he has felt um, afraid to connect even in the LGBT community because he's afraid of rejection there because um, biphobia, does bisexuality actually exist? Um, There's conversations. So he's got a really fascinating story about um the considering the rejection that can happen from the straight world or the heterosexual world and also from the queer world um that if you're somewhere in between where do you belong mm-hmm. and i think that's that that that's the seeking of belonging is such a part of all of our journeys and we narrow I think what he's doing is sort of expanding but most of the time we all narrow what we view as the potential thing that could we could be rejected for or that will create a a lack of belonging and i love that his story is so like hyper hyper masculine but also he says but i've had the privilege of having sex with men and i get to even married to a woman and how he's navigating these um these uh, worlds where potential rejection is possible and how do you show up for yourself when the ego really wants to protect against <laughs> that rejection piece. Right, right. Yeah, it was a very powerful episode to to hear. And again, it was like, okay, here's more synchronicities of all of these things happening and hearing that, you know, this divine masculine is, is coming, you know, breaking through and it needs to be healed. And then here are these two men, you know, having this conversation. It's like, everything is happening in divine timing in this perfect way. And again, opening it up to such a interesting audience of people that are probably listening to that podcast. So I'm, I'm super every morning I wake up and I say, I'm so happy and thankful that I'm alive at this present moment in time. Um, because I think there's interesting changes happening and it's really exciting it's really scary, but also very, very exciting to see the, and I, I try to stay away from the word like waking up, but just people becoming more aware that, that we are, you know, infinite creative beings and that, that there's more to us than the labels that we've been given. And, you know, if we all try to just love a little bit harder, the world would be a a much sweeter place. Totally. And I love just that yours and my story, like we're both sort of stepping into this work and into the divine masculine work as, as you're seeing other men doing it and you're hearing these women talk the, the talking about sort of the transformation that's coming in 2020. It's like you and I are 
starting to come forward at the right timing, that there's an inner calling that's saying, yes, now's the time. And I, I trust that in myself because I have felt for years ready, wanting to be a part of this and not feeling uh, ready myself uh, on an emotional level to be able to stand in that place. Because I think what you're right, you're right that there is some fear associated with it. It is a scary, uh, scary conversation to step into. I know for the most part, my work has gotten lots of really positive feedback, but there are subsections of the population that are angry just at the idea of having uh, a men's conversation or to have queer men be raising up their voices to talk about what is masculinity, what's not working, what isn't, what is working. I know I've had some some barbs thrown at me in terms of my sexuality and what do I have to offer as a, as a man. Um, and I think that there is fear associated with stepping into this place because there's a lot of tension there. And yet I just love that you and I are both sort of coming forward at the same time and it's matching up with some of the other pieces of evidence we've seen that, that there's an energy gathering and that there's a transformation happening. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really special time. And I, I do want to say, um, so I'm going to be on Travis's podcast in the, in the future. And he sent me a questionnaire to fill out about a couple questions and some questions to think about. That was really hard for me to fill out. Um, mm. Just because like, oh, I never really thought about this. Like, how do I connect to these things? And then again, as I was driving home today after listening to, to the podcast, in my that I was listening to in the car, I thought, huh? Because at one section you asked check three check boxes of how you how I identify, and I'm pretty sure I wrote down a spiritual being, a human, and a creative. And I'm like, I didn't even put man on the list, mm-hmm. and that really for about 45 minutes in my car today, I was thinking about that. I'm like, that is interesting. And in a way I feel like I'm just this, I'm a human, like I'm a human. I happen to be a man, but I'm a, a, this spiritual being. And I feel that I'm, maybe it's from all the Kundalini yoga that it's like, I know I'm a man, but I see myself more of this like, for extra woo-woo, oh, good God, um, more of a, a higher dimensional being um, <laughs> than just what my gender is. Mm. And I'm like, does that make me fluid? Am I fluid? I don't even know what that fucking means. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's amazing when, it's amazing when you ask somebody to self-identify, when you ask them to sort of collapse their identity into a few different checkboxes what that brings up for them and i think that's an intentional part of why i created that was like can you um, bring yourself down into something that is bite-sized that people can understand because i use those self-identifiers as a way to sort of um, label each podcast episode so that people know what we might be talking about in that episode Mm -hmm. um but it's amazing sort of the confusion the brain goes through when you are asked to sort of simplify your identity into into some small areas, but then when they don't match what you might think people want to hear or what your 
previous understanding of yourself was and what like wait what am i now that i've tried to sort of put myself in these boxes i think that's a sort of self-intentional part of of the pre-work that i do with my guests yeah it definitely thanks because it put me into that space of what (laughs) what the fuck am i i guess i am an alien (laughs) (laughs) as if you probably haven't felt that way your whole life or at least i have (laughs) yeah totally you know i'm a pisces i'm you know i kind of just drift around and 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 bounce about and spend a lot of time by myself um so i've never really felt like i fit in anywhere like even when i played football in high school and college like i remember in college i had a walkman because that's how long ago college was for you kids that don't know what a walkman is that's what played tapes (laughs) tapes. yes um and i remember my coach came over and he was like what are you listening to and he took my headphones off and just when he took my headphones off um they might be giants came on and the song was make a little birdhouse in your soul Mm-hmm. And he put the headphones on just as it started singing about, you know, a birdhouse in your soul. And he looked at me, he was like, what the fuck are you listening to? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I like this stuff. Really, you know, puts me in a nice calm space before we go out onto the football field. And he gave me my headphones back and he looked at me like I, like I was an alien. I'm like, what is wrong with this dude? Like, he's not listening to heavy metal. He's listening to, I don't even know what that was. Um... But I've always felt like I was in this weird space. Um, and then when I, my football coach put me into a photography class in college because he thought it would be an easy A for me. And I failed that class and then decided I wanted to go to art school to be a photographer. And <laughs> the morning I woke up that I found out that I'd lost my scholarship and unless I went to summer school to, you know, get these three credits um the next morning i woke up and i just knew i'm like i want to be a photographer the night before i went out and i got drunk in the woods with my friends and came home and there was a special on about the national geographic photographer so i woke up the next morning i'm like i can be a photographer i should go to art school so my parents were eating breakfast and i walked downstairs and i said to my mom I'm like and my dad I'm like i don't want to go back to mansfield to play football anymore i want to go to art school i want to be a photographer and the first thing my mom said to me oh god i love her she said oh my goodness you're not gay you're an artist and i'm like <laughs> i'm like what, what does that mean and i i'm bald now but i used to have hair and lots of earrings and and i looked you know apparently to my mom god 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 love her today's her birthday happy birthday mom um, happy birthday <laughs> she was like we would love you we would love you anyway but it explains so much she was like why you're so you're so weird i'm like oh god oh god mm. mom. you are the best but even then like i didn't know like i had girlfriends you know in high school and stuff and never did i think that you know my my parents thought anything until that day when i'm like i want to i'm an artist like i want to go to art school it like all like came together and i'm like wow i really am not normal in this (laughs) in in this reality i am messing with everybody's head so so interesting the opposite childhoods that we had where i was trying so hard not to seem gay and not to come across gay and to hide and you were kind of just being yourself and people might have assumed you were right and i had no idea like i just got some earrings because i'm trying to be a rebel (laughs) yeah 
but I think there's some interesting implications in some of even the the even in the sweet moments with like your mom or with it doesn't always come across as sort of like blatant meek unkindness, but there is some interesting implications with the way your coach handled things or the way your mom was like, Oh, thank goodness. You're, you're this, you're not this. Like there is this um, way that we do that to men. And I think I'm, I'm guessing it probably happens to women too. And I, I'm just, I'm sort of focused on this part of things in this phase of my career and stuff is where we really narrow in the possibilities for men, even in the kindest ways, even in the ways that are like, oh, thank God, you'll you'll fit in much more like that than you will like this, or those interesting ways where we narrow in the possibilities, or, and maybe you in those moments didn't internalize a sense of shame, but I think in many men's cases, the second they feel those moments where they're like, what are you even listening to? Like there's an inherent shame that gets triggered. And then it's like, okay, now I have to either hide that part of myself or I have to shrink it and make it go away. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I, and I think, um, a lot of it, I I love, I love to bring back to, to the idea that I am a Pisces. I'm this, you know, I'm a dreamer and I'm always floating around on, I joke around and say, I'm floating around on another planet. Like I'm just out there. And, and this is me like from, from forever. I never felt like I, I completely fit in with the groups of people that were around me. So I've just kind of always been like, oh, I guess I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm just different. So I'll just roll with it. And the older I got, I kind of just kept, you know, going in, you know, just exploring and be like, oh, well, whatever. It's the early nineties now and it's grunge. So I can look this way. And if I want to wear eyeliner, I can wear eyeliner because, you know, Kurt Cobain put eyeliner on. So why can't I, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I never thought anything of it at all it was just like i'm just i'm just gonna be me and whatever happens happens and I, I in a way i feel you know obviously i'm you know i'm a straight white man so I, it's like i won the lottery of you know being born this way like i don't have a lot of challenges um and from growing up in a small town i didn't really think anything of it i was just like i'm just being me and if you don't like it whatever so I feel, you know, blessed in that kind of way. But it was also, I just think, you know, that that time where, you know, at the, even at that time, like there were Michael Stipe and Kurt Cobain, like they were mm -hmm. two big influences in, in my life. And it made me feel like, oh, I can be a man and really be however I want, because these two dudes that I'm watching on MTV or wherever are are being themselves. So why can't I be myself? That's a, that's something that's so fascinating to me that in the conversations that I'm having with men is that I'm noticing we're all having a little bit of trouble sort of pinpointing. But I, what I love what you're talking about is is that you had archetypes or frequency holders of an, of just some of men just being themselves and sort of being able to cross certain boundaries and not and actually receive praise for that and receive like being brought up um, lifted up. And I think that that's something I want to start. Um, I, I'm trying to continue to look for in the men that I see out there in the world. Like, who are those frequency holders that hold that divine masculine space that that represent a self confidence and an ability to decide for self and that and and receive 
more connection for that rather than rejection. Mm -hmm. I think, um, so I'm doing my life coaching training through, it's called Journey Coaching, which is owned by John Kim, the angry therapist. If you don't know John Kim and the angry therapist, I suggest mm -hmm. everyone go, go check him out. Um, but he talks a lot about like where he's 46, I'll be 45. And the, the, my generation, we were pretty much raised on MTV. Like my, my parents are still together. My dad was always around. My dad was always working. But it was really, and I'm the youngest of six kids. And it was really like MTV is what was raising me in a way. Mm. And mm -hmm. in that shift from like when I was... When MTV first started, there were all those like hair metal bands, like Mot <laughs> you know, Motley Crue and Poison. So there were these dudes that were wearing makeup and wearing, you know, spandex, spandex. And, uh -huh. and all of that. And I'm like, I I'm not really sure about that. But that's when I was, you know, like young, you know, like just really getting, becoming aware, like going through puberty. That's what was on. And then when I get into high school, all of a sudden this grunge scene pops and now it's like, oh, now wait, now there's these like this, there's this different kind of man out there that is still kind of in touch with things, but a little bit different and a little more edgy. And it's, it, it was an interesting time to, to grow up, to see those things because when Motley Crue was Motley Crue, no one was like saying anything about, Vince Neil wearing spandex and, you know, teasing his hair and wearing makeup. Right. You know, it was just like, oh, all right, well, there, that's, that, that's what happens. And there was no question about anything. And then, thank God, the grunge scene popped and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all those bands mm -hmm. came. Because I remember like, oh, goodness, this music is horrible. <laughs> 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 and then all that happened. I'm like, oh, wow, like, who are these guys? Like, what is this about? So I, I definitely feel blessed in that way. But outside of like Kurt and Michael Stipe, no one was really talking much, though, about feelings or things it was just like this is this is the way we look and i yeah. think that that made me feel safe to to do that as well to just be like oh whatever i'm gonna paint my nails black today and see if i can piss some people off <laughs> <laughs> well, my, i'm curious how you as, as somebody that um is doing your life coach training that is facilitating yoga um kundalini yoga stuff how do you create safe space for men to start diving into this world because that's something i'm always fascinated about is like how do we as men that are ready to step forward that are ready to be a part of the transformation that are ushering in the divine masculine um how do we keep showing up for the men around us so that there's uh, a transformation possible pretty i just try to be my most authentic self to be me and allow the words to come out of my mouth the way they should. <laughs> I, I've been, it, it, it's, I've been on this, you know, teaching for about 10 years now. And I never really thought about it literally until probably the, like the last couple of months about how it's, I've been working with the divine feminine energy for 10 years. Like it was just never a thought. It was just like, Oh, Kundalini is this divine feminine energy. It's within all of us. 
and I would say that at the, I say, I still say it at the beginning of all of my classes, like it, it's, it's within all of us. And if there was a guy in class, he'd be like the divine feminine is in, inside of you as well. It's in all of us. Um, and I just try to hold the space to be there. And a couple months ago, I started hosting um, a meditation at my house. And I just put a thing out on Facebook and was like, hey, I'm doing this. You know, it started out as a four week meditation series and a bunch of strangers came. And it's been a group of like three to four, five men and a couple ladies. It's typically one woman and a group of men. And I've been talking about just, you know, that the divine masculine is waking up and is healing. But I feel for the divine masculine to wake up, we have to connect to that divine feminine. And so I put Ooh. it out there in, in that way. And the one woman that comes to the meditation and I'm like, and it's helping you heal the divine masculine within you. It's like the reverse that's happening, mm. you know, for the men and, and the women. And this past week in, in our meditation at the end, you know, we talk about the experiences that we were having, that we had in the meditation. And the one woman that was here, she was like, I, I don't know. I feel embarrassed to like say what I felt because I'm in a room with just men. I'm the only w woman here. And I told her, you know, like, you don't have to share anything if you don't want to. I was like, but I guarantee that if you do share, it is going to change every man in this room's perspective on you and women and on themselves. Mm. So in a way, like the way the practice is, like it pokes you, it provokes you, it elevates you. I try to be there to like, for lack of a better word, hold a hand, hold space and just, I tell everyone at the beginning of class that it is like, you're in a safe space. If you want to laugh, laugh. If you want to cry, cry. Like this is a safe space right here. Everything that happens here is going to stay here. So you don't have to hold on to anything. And I think that's what we need. We need safe spaces where mm -hmm. people could be vulnerable and know that like, you can tell me, you can share with the group and no one's going to laugh. No one's going to look at you differently you're just being yourself and we're all just going to move from the space of of unconditional love because that's the only way we're going to at, at least i feel that's the only way we're going to be able to heal is if we all recognize that that we're the same like there's no difference between me and you or me and susie or bob we're all connected we're all we're all humans you know whatever you're you you identify as Ultimately, we are the, a human species. We are the same and we're connected. Like there's no, there's no separation between us. So if I'm loving you, I'm loving myself and it'll, yeah. it'll help all of us heal. Yeah, I think that is such an important part, that non-judgmental space, that just the container from which all is good and all exploration is um, part of that individual's journey, but is a part of our journey as a collective and as a whole as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked about this yesterday, just very slightly on, uh, on my, my coffee talk or a couple weeks ago when you're actually hearing this, um, Ram Dass has this wonderful saying, just love everybody because it's so much easier. 
<laughs> and yeah, I mean, it's hard to be like, oh, right. I love, I love Donald Trump. But if we can move from a space of just loving, it would allow everything to be a little bit easier, but we have to be able yeah. to get to that space and know that it's okay. And it's safe to be like, I love you. Like love it's, it's the key, but we got to figure yeah. out how, how, how to actually do it and know that like, we might not always agree on the same thing. We're not going to have the same point of view on everything, but that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just, that's the way you are. And maybe you're just not aware of the same things, or you just have a different understanding or you were brought up a different way. That's not your fault. Just part of the process. You know, we're all on different, waves you know we all evolve differently and it just you know kind of depends on where you are and something i may say today you know something we may have talked about on this podcast may not resonate with everyone right now but then someone might listen to it a year from now and be like oh shit i didn't get it when i heard this last year but i totally get it now i totally understand you know we're yeah. all, we're all and again ramdas we're all just walking each other home <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's funny because it's a it's I made a post on social media today that was inspired by my the most recent episode of my podcast, um, which was all about like what finding the balance between sort of like calling out bad behavior and masculinity versus actually seeing beyond the behavior and seeing the human that's there mm -hmm. who might be struggling, who might be suffering. And so my question is, is like, it's always, it's not always easy to remain open-hearted in this sort of divisive culture we're in, in this sort of really challenging shadow work that we're doing as a culture. How do you have healthy, appropriate boundaries, but also remain heart open? How do you keep that practice in play? And it sounds a little bit like what you're talking about is, is like, how do you continue to open rather than doing what the ego or the mind wants us to do right now, which is to close down and to protect ourselves. Uh -huh. um, and yet that only just keeps re-entrenching the problem and, and, and creating more and more of a divide. Right. It's, it's, it, it's a tricky space. How to be, yeah. you know, how do we, how, do, how can we be vulnerable? And I think I, I've been talking about this a lot as well about the boundaries and values and how many people, actually sit down and say, these are my boundaries. These are my values. This is what I stand for instead of just blindly going along. Mm. And you know, it's, it's hard for people because you know, you, you may follow what your dad said or what your brother says, or you're, you know, you're, you may be sitting in a room and you just notice that the male collective in the room is speaking down on someone. And so you don't feel like, the weirdo outcast, you just don't say anything or you kind of just nod your head, you know? And I think it's, it, it, there is a time and hopefully in this process that everybody, you know, men and women, you know, all of us actually take a moment to look at our lives and say, what are our boundaries? What do I stand for? And by knowing that it will help us navigate this life. But you have to take yeah. have to take the time to actually say these are my values, these are my boundaries, this is where I stand. Yeah, how do you create intentionally create your life without becoming 
pretty intentional about what you believe and what you think and what what you value and what your boundaries are. Like, how do you even do that if you're sort of leaving those things in the gray area? Right, right. You have to... Fuck, I hate saying it. You have to wake <laughs> up, you know? <laughs> no matter how much you try, it just keeps showing up. I think you just kind of got to go with it. Um, but it is. It's like you got to look at yourself. And I'm, I, I feel that a lot of people fall into the, you know, the Groundhog Day of yeah, you do the same totally. thing over and over again. And you don't even realize. And then you wake up one day and you're like, holy shit, I'm retiring tomorrow. What happened? Yeah. I never even looked at myself. And yeah. I think, you know, it does come down to that self-inquiry and ask yourself the hard questions. You don't have to let mm. anybody else know, but just start, you know, asking and and you have to go from there. But again, it's like we we all come to these awakenings at different points of time in our life. And I just hope that for most people, well, for really everyone, that you come to the awakening or you start awakening before you hit like a bottom. Totally. And that's, Yeah, I want that too. Yeah. I, I a, it makes me think of an exercise that I do that's sort of, um, as we were alluding to before, I do something called Equus Coaching. And it's sort of my most favorite fast tracking kind of uh, coaching work that I do because it's so experiential. It's so the way we were meant to learn as human beings. It's in motion. It's in relationship with other beings. It's uh, in nature. And I think it's really powerful in the men's work that I do is because in some ways to interact with a horse who has who's on the flight end of the spectrum, we're considered a predator and they're on the flight end of the spectrum and they're much more connected to their sort of survival instinct around fleeing um, as a way of keeping themselves safe. And yet you bring people into an experiential learning moment where we're on the ground. I take all the control mechanisms away that we normally use with horses, such as halters and saddles. And you're on the ground just building a connection with a being that doesn't speak the same language as you do. And you get to intertwine your nervous system with theirs. The mirror neurons start to fire with each other. Um, and you get to see your impact on the external environment. You get to develop an empathetic response. Oh, when I show up this way or when this inner turmoil is going on, look at how the external environment responds because that horse is going to respond to everything that's playing out within you. And so I just love helping men. I help, I love helping people, all people. Um, as I'm, as we've been talking about this sort of men's thing is like, I really love helping to cultivate and develop that sense so that we don't have to hit rock bottom so that we can cultivate our own sense of what are, what are our boundaries. Um, if a horse is nibbling on me, I get to have a boundary on that. I don't want to be bit by them. They may not be trying to hurt me, but I also don't want to be hit. Mm -hmm. I also want to have a healthy boundary with myself where I don't get in too close to a, a, the, the backside of the animal that could kick out and uh, cause some real damage. And that horse has every right to express its boundary. How do I keep myself safe? But how do I keep opening to the connection over and over and over? And I think you're right. It is some of the things I do with clients is like intention setting, getting very intentional. What are your values? What do you want this to feel like? What do you want? To, what do you want? What boundaries do you want to honor in this process? And then we dive into what comes up for you as you start building those relationships. That horse is going to show me a lot about how you view intimacy, how you view boundaries, how you lead, how you follow. 
it's it's uh, quite a fascinating experience that can help people really sort of see how their inner world um, gets mirrored out into their external world. And if it's that pattern's not serving them, how do they want to move forward? Wow, that sounds so interesting and unique. Like such a wonderful approach to work with people. Mm. I don't think I ever really realized that the mirror neurons reflect that way, I guess, with different species. Yeah, I mean, I think all nervous systems want to be in that sort of rest and digest and not in the panic or in the flight. We as humans have gotten sort of used to survival mode and living pretty revved up most of the time. Um, and that has an impact on the external environment. And horses are sensitive enough. So are we as humans. We just don't, we're not, we don't give ourselves permission to feel this or we're taught out of it. But we can feel each other's energy. We can feel what when someone's energy is quite revved up. But they're constantly reading your muscle tension, your heart rate, your respiration rate, not from a hypervigilant place, but just as a place of scanning their environment to make sure that their environment is safe. Right. Um, and they also are a herd-based animal they understand the strengths and numbers piece and so if they're connecting with you they're not going to look at you as a horse but they are going to be assessing is this a safe herd is this a safe place to connect or do i need to go take care of myself elsewhere um and so yeah there are our nervous systems do get intertwined there's actually a lot of research right now about um veterans with ptsd doing horsework and how powerful um, horsework can be in the transformation of PTSD, or at least learning to navigate your relationship to your nervous system that can spike at times, um, because you're seeing you're seeing another being that has that kind of sensitive nervous system, and if you can see how to interact with them, how could you then bring the way you show up to, with that horse back into your own relationships to self? Oh, that's so beautiful! Mm. Wow, Travis. <laughs> that was a quick hour it um, was a quick hour i can't believe was. we're already through that right thank you so much for taking the time to to chat with me about all of this and thank mm. you for doing the work that you're doing you know for making yourself vulnerable for creating your podcast the new masculine and I love the way on your website how it ha how you said a podcast dedicating to disrupting outdated models of masculinity in service of new ways forward for men. That's mm. so so beautiful. Um, so tell everyone where can they find you? Where can they find their your podcast? Where can they find all the things that you do? Yeah, well, thank you for your kind words and thank you for being open to the connection. Um, I think we as men who are doing this work really, I think it really serves us to connect and to not be isolated out there doing it alone, but to really do this in community. So thank you for being a part of that with me. Um, if people want to connect with me, they can find me on Instagram at Traver03. That's T-R-A-V-E-R-S-0-3. It's a little bit of my personal life. It's a little bit of my coaching work. It's where I also up do updates about the podcast, um, the New Masculine Podcast. Um, you can also find me on my website at TravisStock.com. That's T-R-A-V-I-S-S-T-O-C-K.com. Um, my, uh, the podcast is on, is on there. There's a page specifically for it. There's a talking about my coaching work that I do both private work and then also group work that I do. 
um, as well as you can reach me through there or you can uh, email me at travisstock 3 at gmail.com if you're interested in any of the work I do. You can find the New Masculine Podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, and as I said before, on my website. Um, I'd love to connect with anybody that is um, also fascinated by this conversation or that is interested in uh, exploring more of the divine masculine or how to integrate the, the, the divine feminine within yourself as a man. Super interested in that and would be happy to connect with anybody uh, about that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. This was such a fun conversation and um, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate, you know, how, how much your questionnaire for me, for your podcast, really made me think about my life and how I look at things and how I look at myself. It really pushed me out of my mm. comfort zone a little bit and i really i really appreciate that i'm so glad to hear and i'm so excited to record our episode for my podcast coming up soon yes i can't wait i'm looking forward to uh talking with you again for everyone out there please go check out travis he's doing amazing work for all of us humans on this planet thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all very soon 